what we're doing today is basically recording a podcast. Um, no idea if anyone's going to listen to it. Um, but what we wanted to do is record... Oh, oh you're my... It's amateur out. That is my father on FaceTime. Where's your dad FaceTime? He will do that at least twice a day. Kind of looked at me and they said the answer was was alcohol. So ladies and gentlemen, The Tempest 2. Tom Caulfield, James Whistle. The Tempest 2. This is the story of The Tempest 2. Ladies and gents, welcome to the first The Tempest 2 podcast with myself, Tom Caulfield. And my good self, James Whittle. And together, we are The Tempest 2. We are professional adventurers with a slight difference in the fact that James and I are both pretty shit at most things. We are not the classic adventurer. We're not ex-military, we're not big, hunky, strong, uh, or brave. We are kind of ordinary people trying to do extraordinary things in the hope of inspiring others. And the podcast, we kind of discussed what it should be about. Should it be around mindset and all that kind of stuff? But we've kind of landed on just having a bit of a chat informally around some of our adventure stories, some of the stuff that people may not have heard before, stuff that's kind of been pretty funny. And we're just gonna kind of roll with it. No real agenda, no real guaranteed output. Could be crap, could be gold. Yeah, hopefully it's entertaining in some way uh, on your commute to work or- It's a commuter podcast. Maybe in the gym. Probably wouldn't listen to it at the gym. listen to it at the gym. No, it's not not gonna be that good. and maybe it's funny, maybe it's not. Maybe you've turned off already <laughs> after my dad called. Um, yeah, fantastic. Right, so where where did it all begin? Uh, Going to start way back when, probably nearly nine, eight, nine years ago, when where Tom and I met, which was at university. We both had the same student job for Red Bull, uh, working incredibly hard at events <laughs> all around the country and on campus as well. Um, and yeah, we were. I was based at Northampton University. Tom was in... You were a, you were a wings girl, weren't you? I was wings team, yeah, out of a mini, driving a mini round at breakneck speeds. Um, you were the eye candy. Yeah. I was more of the brains, the strategy, but you were eye candy. Yeah, you were brains. Um, that's what they told you anyway, <laughs> when you're carrying fridges in and out of festivals. But yeah, did, did, a, did a lot of rebel work for three years, then left university. Tom carried on working for Red Bull for a while and then I went to uh, Vitacoco, kind of went our separate ways, kept in touch and it kind of all came back together in, when was it, June? June 2014. 2014. Yeah. Where uh, I was at a, a garden party and got a... Garden party? Yeah, wow. garden party. Well, it was a house... Oh, a garden party! <laughs> it was a house party. In a garden. And it was it was warm in the UK so everyone was outside. Um I think I was probably the DJ at the time. Yeah, probably. Always, usually am. Yeah. Um, and I got a random text after a few beers uh, asking if I wanted to row the Atlantic. So very strange text, but it's worth rewinding a little bit to Tom's side of the story because actually where it all started for 
from and and how his mother is the catalyst for all of this. Yeah, so I was at, what's the pub called? The Dickens Inn in St. Catherine's Dock. And I was at a big event called the Clipper World Yacht Race and my mum had had a midlife crisis and decided to sail the Atlantic in this race. So she'd sailed from London to Rio uh, in a, a few weeks in this massive global yacht race and I was at the event uh, which was the culmination of it. So some of these boats have been at sea for a year and they're all coming back into port in St. Catherine's Dock where it kind of began the year before. And it was this huge event, loads of emotions, all these teams are crying, massive achievement. And I was stood at the bar on my own. Standard. Yeah. What, were you, uh, what was in the glass? I think I was on the premium lager. Pr- Peronis. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so I had two Peronis. Did you put a top on it? Hell no. No, right. No, it's okay. not Hendo. Interesting. Like, so, no, straight up. Sorry. Like it. Premium lager. Uh, <laughs> may have had a Guinness in between. And it was at that moment that our lives changed forever. I, I saw my mum celebrating with his team and suddenly had the daunting realisation that my mum was officially cooler than I was. And I think she still is. She may still be, but Fran is a is a cool lady, cool woman. Yeah, but she sailed it, I've rode it. So I think she's probably sailing right now, isn't she? She is sailing in Greece. Well, there you go. Which makes her sound hideously middle class. <laughs> <laughs> which I'm sure should be chuffed about. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Yeah, she is sailing in Greece at the moment. So Fran, if you're listening to this. Congratulations. <laughs> You've made it. Yeah, you're a big timer. Um, so yeah, I Googled then and there, biggest adventures in the world. On page three somewhere, this ocean rowing popped up. And that's when I text James. And we were, we're both, well, relatively relatively pissed, I guess. And the, the texts were pretty brief and short and to the point. Uh, and we then made a pretty... A pretty important decision that we'd had enough beers that we now told everyone around us that we were these legendary adventurers and we were going to we were going to cross the Atlantic in a rowing boat and, and put our names down in history, and then woke up the next morning looking at those texts, thinking like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, it's probably worth saying that at this time, I barely even knew what rowing was, <laughs> let alone what ocean rowing was like that it is a thing. I'd never been on a lake in a rowing boat. It was the, the idea, I think we probably jumped straight to the conclusion of the row and thought about the celebrations and yeah. the stories we could tell before ever considering what it might actually involve. And rowing is shit. Oh, it's awful. But by that point, by well, the time we realized how shit it actually was, <laughs> we were, we'd already we committed. <laughs> we told everyone and we weren't ready for the shame of just <laughs> backing out early doors. When in hindsight, that would have been the smartest thing to do. Yeah, 100%. Would just be draw a line under it as another stupid story <laughs> at a party um, before we were getting a reputation for just <laughs> telling stories. But this one, we actually felt like we, uh, we really wanted to continue with. So then it was the, I guess, the journey of finding out actually how we were going to row the Atlantic. Well, we signed up to that race first, didn't we? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we did. So we, when we, so I think it must have been in your Google search that this race came up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and there's a race that goes across the Atlantic on a similar route um, every other year. And we'd signed up to that as it felt like the only possible way to actually make this thing happen. Um, and... 
we kind of did that um, on one side and on the other side went about trying to find a boat, kind of looking into training, trying to row for the first time. Uh, and that eventually led us to Pembrokeshire, I think a rowing club called Solver Rowing Club, where we just emailed them randomly. Good knowledge. Thinking they're a big outfit and um, went down there on a December morning and kind of jumped in a rowing boat or got put in a rowing boat with three 70 plus year old Welsh women who spent our first three hours ever rowing um, and it was at sea and we just got absolutely hammered by these Welsh women they ripped the piss out of us um, actually quite offensive some of them yeah it, I think it was actually rude it was, it was just mainly racist because we're English yeah they just weren't a huge fan of our characters <laughs> Um, I was wearing an Oxford shirt, which probably <laughs> first time ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> chose the first time ever to put a button down on and take on three hours in the Irish Sea. So we learnt loads. We got battered. We ended up back in the pub um, of the huge harbour that is Solver, um, and kind of sat there, just actually considering if it was possible, considering we could barely put the oars in the water without catching a crab and. Uh, smacking ourselves in the chest catching a crab is, is a term for the rowers out there are you talking Wait, you know what catching a crab means um, is it when you like the oar snags yes is it yeah, exactly. have you just made that up no it's a genuine thing let's I, google I'm on the uh... Wait, let's get our uh, the producer to do Dave yeah. let's google we the producer it's just us <laughs> catching a crab not crabs don't search that <laughs> <laughs> oh shit you're right rowing ejector Make a faulty stroke in which the oar is jammed underwater or misses the water altogether. Well, I never. Well, so, I, I've never catched a crab, so that's. Really I was going to say you actually spent three thousand miles on the Atlantic <laughs> catching, just catching crab. crabs. I've got a fucking net full of crabs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Fine. Catching a crab. Anyway, so that went off piste, but we ended up going back into the uh, into the. I think was it the pub. Yeah. Uh, and kind of sitting down. Planning, sharing our plans with the this team and then this giant harbour master kind of walks over and uh, gave us a bit of a pacing as well didn't he yeah he's a massive bloke like walked into the pub everyone kind of stopped it was like a movie like everyone went silent it's like the sheriff's in town <laughs> and he like scanned the room saw us in the corner made a beeline for us and uh, was just like showing me your hands and we were like what the f-? like here you go showing our hands <laughs> and he went and I quote, he just went, no chance, you fucking pencil pushers. And just walked out of the pub. And it's like, what a legend that man awesome. is. Awesome. Thanks, mate. But basically said, yeah, I haven't got hope. Um, he'd obviously heard what we were planning on doing, rowing the Atlantic, and wanted to vet us. Being a big, burly seaman, uh, he came to the decision that we weren't worthy. And that was the first time we were probably told... We couldn't do it, we shouldn't do it, we weren't capable. And instead of actually casting a bit of self-doubt, I think it actually lit a bit of a fire to go and prove those people wrong. Um, so big shout out to the harbour master. What do you reckon his name was? Well, like Daffid. He, he did. He looked like a Daffid, <laughs> didn't he? He stank of Daffid. <laughs> he absolutely reeked of Daffid. Big, smug Daffid. Yeah. Well, this is for you, Daffid. I think that we thought that was going to be the anomaly, just one guy that was going to put us down. And unfortunately, Daffid's demeanour was actually what we got on multiple occasions from most people that we spoke to. Yeah, it's fair enough. Yeah, it's totally fair enough. But that we 
have got no business being anywhere near a rowing boat, let alone trying to cross the Atlantic. Uh, yeah, which is totally fair. Um, so over the the course of those two, I guess the two months after we signed up for this race, um, we eventually realised that the race wasn't for us for um, many reasons. The, the, the main reason being the fact that it cost £20,000 to enter the race <laughs> and we had about 40 quid between us that my mum had given us. So um, the race was looking less and less likely. Um, and we we kind of spoke to those guys a few times and kind of questioned whether it was for us, whether we liked the bloke. Um, the bloke was a weapon, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, he was a weapon. Um, that's the the CEO of this company that runs this race basically yeah to put it black and white yeah. <laughs> cowboy we uh, the money is a big part of this so when we kind of started researching it we kind of spoke to people who've done it in the past and you need I don't know let's say 60, 70, 80 grand to make this thing happen and that covers the things like obviously the boat, um, the logistics, the training, the safety stuff, the equipment, the GPS. When everything is added up, it's around between kind of 60 and 80 grand, depending on a couple of things. And this race is going to cost us 20 kegs. And you look how much that is of that total. And for us, it was like, right, where's this money going? Let's let's break this down. We kind of asked for a breakdown from this company of where that 20 grand is going and, and what the kind of the benefits are. And it became pretty clear that um, there wasn't a huge amount of difference between doing it in the race and doing it on your own. The main one being there are support yachts in the race. There are 20 odd teams who do it. So there's a lot more infrastructure. Um, and we suddenly had the realization that okay, if we do it in the race, we're going to be competing with other teams, both kind of to try and get there first, but also with content and marketing partners and all that kind of stuff. And the safety net of those boats, if something goes wrong and that boat's 200 miles away, it's not really any point in having it. So we made the decision to bail out of the race um, and go it alone, which our families were pretty distraught about to begin with, but was without doubt, the most important decision we made. We wouldn't have been able to do it if we did the race. Um, and I think what this forced us to do, if you look at the other teams in the race, and we're not not putting down the, the race at all because it's still the same thing. It just wasn't for us. Um, the kind of blueprint for raising that cash is usually kind of, you know, your dad's maybe a partner at a law firm, so they write you a check or you use your connections from your family to get a number of checks and, we unfortunately asked our families and uh, we were, were told to told to do one. So we kind of had to use our skill set as marketers to bring on brands. And in doing so, created some real buzz and some real kind of PR around what we were doing. Um, and that's kind of led us to, to where we are today. And it's all down to that leaving that race because... Without that, I don't think we, we'd be sitting here recording that podcast for sure. So there was that side of the thing that it gave us more freedom in, but it also meant that we were now 100% responsible for our own success. No one was going to be there checking if we'd done X, Y, and Z, whether it's a survival at sea course or a yacht master <laughs> course or how we were getting on on all these things. It was up to us to go out and actually do it. And yes, we 
we said that we still wanted all those things, but in hindsight, we could have probably just just left the harbour without any of that stuff. Well, we tried to, but they wouldn't. Do you remember we were told we needed yeah. the survival at sea course and the yacht master to, yeah. to leave the harbour yeah, in Gran Canaria? And, and we didn't. No. Well, well, we were told two weeks before that we needed a yacht master certificate. Yeah. And for those who don't know, a yacht master certificate is a pretty high level kind of ocean certificate. It kind of, if you've got that, both practical and theory, you can captain like a 200 meter boat, which is pretty enormous. Yeah. And we were told two weeks out, this usually takes people six months to complete. So we were like, we were like, right, okay, we need to, we need to somehow get the certificate in two weeks, otherwise we're not going to be able to leave the harbour. Um, and so we tracked down some guy who did like an online course, and we, we were learning about tides in different locations at different times of the year, and if you leave at this time, you need to predict this tide and all this kind of stuff, depths of boats and harbour entries, and basically loads of stuff that we did not need to know because we were essentially going across an ocean in a bathtub. Yeah. We weren't sailing anywhere. We weren't doing no anything. need to know there the was depth no of anything. So we absolutely basically faked it till we made it on this on this thing and took this <laughs> took that exam. <laughs> a 60 minute yacht master exam, which the guy let us do online over Skype. Yeah. We did it in about two and a half hours. <laughs> and failed it. <laughs> and then bribed it. <laughs> Just offered in some cash instead. We literally bribed the bloke. Fantastic. <laughs> and there we are with two yacht masters. That's how you think on your feet. Yeah. So now we can um, charter huge vessels <laughs> all around the world, tidal. Um, I have absolutely no idea. Bro. No. It was so difficult, that exam. No, it was mental. It was it was so tough. Um, yeah, so quick timeline recap. We sign up or say we're going to do it, Drunken Techs in... June, July of 2014. Spend the rest of that year dicking around, essentially. Yeah. Go to Wales in December that year. First learn to row, which is a year out from when we're going to leave. Um, we probably make the decision to leave the race in January, February time. Yeah, and then we, part, uh, we partner, we work with a company that's based in Essex in Burnham, um, an ocean rowing company. And we kind of select those guys to be our support network, essentially. So they're going to give us support in the training, um, loads, of, loads of training trips. Um, there was support at sea and, and weather updates and all this sort of stuff. Uh, and that was also who we were going to charter the boat from. Um, so with that, that we kind of placed an order for a boat in about February um, that was to be ready in the summer, so which would give us five or six months-ish um, to train on that boat in the UK. And it was the new all-singing, all-dancing spaceship boat. It was going to fly. We were absolutely buzzing to get it. Um, and then nothing really happens. Time's just knocking on sort of gets into summer, deadline comes and goes. We're kind of emailing back and forth, calling, nothing really happens. And then with like, what, two months to go, maybe uh, three yeah. months to go, we just <coughs> we just get a quick phone call. Unfortunately, the boat that we've ordered isn't gonna be ready. Um, so can we delay our departure, maybe postpone for a year, which obviously isn't an option for us as we both took sabbaticals from where we were working. Um, so there's only one other option left on the table, which is to take 
this old bathtub looking lifeboat style boat and um and try and take that instead so what we had originally ordered which was this brand new all singing all dancing take the exact opposite of that and that was now what we were going to row across the atlantic i think the perfect <coughs> personification of that scenario is that cool runnings film Oh, yeah. You know when like the is it the Austrian or the Swiss team have that like unbelievable sled, and then the Jamaicans go and pick up theirs, and it's an absolute bag of shit. <laughs> it was, that was a scenario. So like, now we've got a boat you can use. It's really reliable, like a good old work dog. And it's yeah. like as soon as you say that, it's like yeah. oh come on, this thing is slow and heavy as shit. Yeah, yeah, so heavy. It's like so. Just, what you're saying is is we were cool runnings. Yeah, we were the hip. Yeah. Cool team, <laughs> not actually in the race. Um, lucky eggs, Harry Bow eggs, <laughs> and um, and yeah, it was a proper kick in the teeth. But we didn't really have. There was nothing we could do about no, it. Really, we just kind of had to get on with it. Um, we saved a bit of money on it, to be fair. Yeah, we did. We did save some cash, which is absolutely as yeah. it should be yeah. because yeah. it looked not half the price. It looked like it didn't even belong <laughs> in the same boatyard. It was. It was madness. It looked like the boat that would carry the new boat, <laughs> like a tow truck, the tugboat. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, and then we spent those kind of two months at, at sea two months before we went to Gran Canaria kind of training we, we headed we spent a bit of time in Burnham maybe three or four yeah. that's actually not a bit of time is it not not a lot at all but we went there um, tried to do a night row we, d- we did beach it didn't we on day one yeah yeah grounded it we came ran aground in what was the river called River uh, Crouch River Crouch yeah. yeah came out of the, the harbour for our first training row Turn right, we're going really well, and suddenly the boat just absolutely wedges up on the sandbank. And we're, we're both getting in, but we realise it's literally like below our knees. <laughs> uh, so we're stuck there for about three hours until the tide comes back in. So that was a waste of time. We just had lunch, didn't we? Yeah, no, we did. Yeah, <laughs> lovely little plowmans, I believe. Um, but yeah, so the training period was pretty brief, and then. I guess you fast forward 18 months from that decision date and we've raised, what, 60 grand in, in cold cash from brands. We've got some amazing kind of brands on board like Spotify and GoPro. How hard was that though, Names raising money? Thousands of emails. That was Thousands and thousands of emails. That was unbelievably difficult and just pestering everyone with a proposal that what, 99% of the time would, oh, yeah, would sure. be ignored probably and then most of the time after that be turned down and then luckily uh, once we got a couple of key ones it started falling into place. Yeah, we were still like 20 grand short about a week out. Oh yeah, you'd never have known it though. No, no, no. All <laughs> The poker face. Oh yeah, yeah. So how's it going? It's like, oh, we're flush with cash. <laughs> we're like, shit me, we can't. Probably too yet. much money if anything. <clears throat> and then Dropbox came on board last yes. minute 11th hour and saved the day yep um, and then we had a a flight out to Gran Canaria boat got shipped there and then that's when stuff got real it's a pretty surreal feeling you've, you've worked 18 months as, as James said thousands of emails thousands of no's always touch and go whether it's going to happen we find ourselves in Porto Magan in Gran Canaria boat in the water brand it up pack it up unpack it pack it again do some sea drills and we're finally looking at a few days out from from kind of leaving um, 
and then we kind of get this this wave of weather that that, that kind of stopped us in our tracks. Yeah, that was uh, so. The, the reason you <coughs> would do it in December is because it's supposed to guarantee or increase the chance of uh, good east to west wind and waves and weather and make it a bit easier. Um, that wasn't the case for us. We were stuck in Grand Canary for what eventually ended up being, I think, nearly two weeks. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was really frustrating. If you imagine, you've kind of told people this provisional leave date and your friends, family and stuff texting you and you've got to, got to keep replying saying, oh, we're not going now, we're not going now. And that combined with kind of everything we've been thinking about pretty much for 18 months was about leaving and about rowing and it was all of a sudden about to happen and then we'd wake up in the morning again and the weather would be shit again and we'd be stuck there for another day at least or another two days another three days and um yeah it actually got pretty savage in the end it was just grinding on us but we um we we did have some jobs uh, we had to do um one of which was was get a phone over that you you actually left in your uh, oh yeah so we we bought this big uh, like comms dish that is usually put on the big kind of leisure yachts like the Sun Seekers because Dropbox came on board last minute the whole kind of deal with them was we were going to be the first people to transfer files using Dropbox um, in the middle of the Atlantic and so for that we needed a really solid internet connection. And like a sat phone wouldn't suffice. So we went and bought this massive dome um, literally the day before we left. I remember going to some warehouse, picking it up, like putting it in a cab. It was carnage. And then we got out there and we had to then fit it onto the front of this boat. Um, and we were, we suddenly realized that we we have not got the skills to, to be able to do that. And we were docked next to uh, our little rowing boat was docked in the harbor at Puerto McGann next to some French dude. Like Thierry. Thierry was that actually his name? Not sure. Probably Thierry. Not. <laughs> we'll call him Thierry uh, for the, the purpose um, of this podcast. But so Thierry was this French dude, like so French it hurt. Like 50 fags a day. He was like a leather bag. He was so tan. He just lived <laughs> on that boat. And uh, we, were, we kind of went knocking down the boats, being like, has anyone got the tools to do this? Does anyone know anyone who could fit this? And Thierry was just like, yes, sir. I can do it. <laughs> like, shit me, Thierry. You sure, boy? <laughs> Where else is he from in France? Uh, t- too long. Oh, yeah. Too long. Uh, Fantastic. But he, he had the skills to pay the bills. We're still waiting to meet him again, actually. Sorry, Thierry. In which case, we'll... He's not listening. <laughs> He's never Thierry, listening. Thierry is off the grid. He's perished. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's at the bottom of the Atlantic. It's David Jones' lot. <laughs> Jesus. But anyway, Thierry. Yeah. he was an absolute legend. Um... We had bits of wiring and stuff to do. We had to, yeah, pack the boat to make sure that all of the, all of the weight was in the middle and it wasn't on one side or the other or on the nose or the tail. Uh, so what did they call it? Bow and stern. At the bow and stern. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. That sums up. <laughs> the nose of the tail. So it was all that snowboarder chat. Um, yeah, and I guess we, well, I don't know about you, but never actually, I never actually felt ready to leave. Even when the boat was packed and we'd done a little training row, and it was always that feeling of like, I swear we've forgotten something. Well, we did. For- well, I forgot something. Yeah, that I forgot the phone, didn't I? Ah, uh, yes. The, the main. So we, this big communication device then obviously requires something that you can actually then 
call people with or connect with to people with uh, like a phone so we had this big device that would connect anywhere in the world uh, and tom left the phone yeah the, flat the little box we fitted it and it was like seems to be something missing and it was this like little gray box that attaches to a phone that basically makes the whole thing work like a router wasn't yeah it? essentially and i i left it in my flat in london and this is like the, the day before we're due to leave and so we're frantically calling people um yeah, all the friends that we thought would help. All four of yeah, them. Yeah, all just, all just <laughs> fell away. Um, but one shining knight in armour. Shining knight. In the form of a young gentleman, friend of mine called Niall. Yeah. Save the day. And Absolute hero. He'll be over the moon about this shout out. He came out for about three and a half hours, was it? Flew him out on EasyJet. He came out. We were like, mate, we'll take you out for a, a training run. You're going to be the only person to ever row the boat with us. And he was absolutely shy. <laughs> he <wasn't> was <laughs> rubbish. <laughs> so he came out, he got on the altar about 10 minutes and we got bored of him being on the altar. <laughs> so I sent him back to London. But yeah, genuinely... Uh, saved us. Saved us. Totally saved us. Um, yeah, and so we had forgotten that. There was still a sense of forgetting everything. Um, and then the morning arrived, the weather was still not great. We basically decided that we were going to leave anyway um, and just row into some unfavourable weather for a while. We'd outstayed our way welcome at the hotel. Um, and, yeah, we, we were just going to push off. I just remember thinking, still have no idea really what I'm doing. We had the, the company that was supporting us um, or, or giving us, I guess, support. that They came over to, I guess, sign off our capabilities. Yeah. Which was basically tying two knots in a cafe and they're like, right, you're good to go. Yeah, and sharing your lunch. Yeah. I think they just wanted a free lunch yeah, out of it. Fair enough, fair and um, yeah, they said that we were good to go. So we got their seal of approval somehow. <laughs> and um, and yeah, still, I still just thought, like, this is mental. Or like, we actually going to do this. I remember then calling Ellen and just being like, well, I think we just go now. I'm not, Who's I'm not too sure. So Ellie's, uh, Ellie's my girlfriend. Yeah, I remember calling her before we were about to leave and still thinking, like, I just did. It just felt weird. It was never get, we were never going to actually make it. Not that I doubted our ability, but it was so far beyond any of the training rows and any of the preparation that we'd done. What was the maximum amount of time we'd spent on a, on a boat rowing before that, before jumping into two hours on, two hours off for two months? Uh, a few hours. A few hours. And a large percentage of that was probably under anchor with a sandwich in hand yeah 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 it was yeah limited experience but i think in a way that was maybe a blessing oh yeah um but yeah we we ping-ponged out of this harbor bouncing between yachts no start line or fireworks just a few of our few of our family there to wave us goodbye and we yeah set off pushed off from our anchor point headed out of this harbor and um and turned right and the last interaction we actually had with with humanity as we came out of this harbour, this massive northern bloke uh, was on a pedalo. He was definitely pissed up. It was like 10 a.m. And he, he pulled up beside us as we were kind of coming out. And this is like our big moment. We're, we're leaving. We're, we're pumped. And he came up and he was like, where are you boys going? And we're like, we're going to the Caribbean, mate. Like, we are legends. <laughs> And he was like, no chance, and then just dusted us and just, just basically laughed us. Um, and we were kind of sat there deflated, 
after this last naysayer. Um, it's lucky we didn't die because that would have been an absolutely tragic last interaction with with humanity. But yeah, <laughs> tragic bloke. Yeah, to be fair. eighteen months, and now we were both on the boat, totally alone, no support crews. And we had 3,000 miles to Barbados. And we knew basically we needed to turn right uh, and keep going till we hit land. And, and that was the start of, of what was an unbelievable 54-day adventure. Well, I know you said that our naivety was a blessing. I wonder if, personally speaking, if I'd have known everything that was going to happen at sea... <laughs> was going to happen I definitely left I would have I would have canned it the night that we told everyone we were going to do it <laughs> just like oh and by the way this is going to happen this is going to happen there will be more than one occasion when there's a high percentage chance that you may perish <laughs> would you still like to go ahead with it absolutely not no chance <laughs> so I think actually that naivety was a total blessing and by the time we were in it it was far too late to do anything about it we were kind of passengers on this mental, mental two months. So yeah, next week's episode contains capsizes, whales, sharks, tankers, bit of bromance. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll talk you through the 54 days at sea. And Everything in between. So um, yeah, we'll just keep pumping these out. Yeah. Weekly when we can. And if anyone's got any questions they want to ask, uh, best way to do that is to follow us on Instagram at <laughs> the Tempest 2 TWO. Yep. Send us a message and we'll uh we'll do our best to answer both of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah, we like, will answer stop the questions. It. It's like when are you gonna pay me back? Yeah. It's like fuck off man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Awesome. Thanks guys. Yeehaw. Peace out. Cheers guys.